Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Running Motorsport Magazine Show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Good evening, everybody. Uh, what a fabulous night it is tonight, just after 8 o'clock in the UK. Uh, as we have, well, let's be honest, it's the dawn of a new era, isn't it? Because we have finally managed to get Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones in the same room together because after Midweek Motorsport tonight, they will be together for the WEC 2019-2020 review that's the big news an historic an and then tomorrow they'll evening. be doing the 2021 preview oh really okay I don't know um, maybe not very good well maybe not I, I like your enthusiasm though let's you know, get everything done let's, uh, let's get everything done straight away it's series 16 episode 3 an historic night tonight with uh, not just the two hours of midweek motorsport but then the WEC coming up straight after uh, and Tim Gray you've just heard his dulcet tones there he is up in London in our global broadcast control centre and on the pack programme tonight Tim we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features we'll be joined by Nick Damon and Shay Adam uh, we have a big interview which tonight is with Jan Mardenborough uh, yes. Ben Costa-Jewis will be here to preview the uh, World Rally Championship uh, needs to... on that. he is in the French Alps remember it's very snowy, it's lovely. Yeah, uh, snowy. I, I should have uh, got the uh, Nick Damon hooray to go in there, shouldn't I? Yeah, for the rally? Yes. There's time. <laughs> there is time. Uh, your, uh, your, you can join the conversation is what I'm trying to say. Uh, add spec entertainment as well, uh, of course. Uh, and we'll start with a little bit of housekeeping. And uh, this from the racing bar steward listening live while practicing in the Alpine Air 110 for a R-Factor 2 race round Dijon this weekend. Good enough for Gordon Murray says good enough for me. Uh, I fruitlessly tried to chase a Alpine Air 110 um, around Thruxton a little while ago in the 968. It's a lot lighter, a lot more powerful and it had been breathed on as well. And more news about uh, Alpine A110s later. I oh yes! Yes, very good. Good point. Uh, let me put that on my list to talk to Ben with if we do get in touch with him. Before I go any further, I want to say a very special hello tonight to Nigel Bolton, who is tuning in. Nigel, Carla asked me to say hello to you. Uh, I know uh, you're not having the best of times at the moment, but I know you've got your headphones on and you're listening in. And uh, me and the rest of the team wish you all of the best uh, lots of uh, best wishes and love coming from us to you. And uh, hopefully you'll be uh, feeling a bit better soon. But it's good to know you're still tuned in tonight. Uh, big fan 
of uh, our Le Mans broadcast, Carla and Nigel Bolton, who are tuned in tonight. Uh, as is uh, Tron Valentine. Well, actually, Tron's not tuned in tonight, but he will be at some stage in the indiscriminate future. He's saving the podcast for the Friday drive to Daytona for the Raw before the 24, of which more news in a moment. And a happy new year to you as well, Tron. Uh, the uh, Safe Phil says, Hooray! Just spotted the Specutainment Channel guide list the wet review tonight. Uh, I, but I'm looking forward to that as well as tuning in live. Phil, hope you're well. Chris Sugu, evening all, no AFAs, a light supper of homemade soup and potato bread. Pottering in the study as usual, prepping stuff for whenever and wherever we can race safely again. Uh, Dave Alcock says, tuning in live tonight, mentioned on the 24 hour of Dubai broadcast. And by the way, I really enjoyed that. Oh, the, um, the video archive's up as well. Uh, you might be looking for an EV. Porsche has announced they're releasing the two-wheel drive Taycan in the UK. Might be an option for the RSL fleet. It's got to be all-wheel drive, I think, if I'm going to go for one of those. But I, I could be tempted. Jonathan Main says, AFA is tonight on the account of being the wife's birthday. Smart. Smart man. Pizza and the West Wing being consumed. How appropriate uh, today, Jonathan. Looking forward to listening to uh, Jam Marber on the show. Tremendous talent. This more letting him loose means he can now win Le Mans for Peugeot Sport. Uh, we'll connect with Jan in the second half of tonight's programme. Alex Orkin, no AFAs. Uh, Freya doing the cooking tonight. A salmon supper for the whole family. Slightly distracted as I put away the social distance shopping delivery and then retire to my office. Very good. Brody, hello Brody. Hope you're well, mate. AFA's mother-in-law's birthday, celebrating as best we can. Listen to the podcast tomorrow. Uh, best of the mother-in-law as well, Brody. Another smart man, you see. Uh, Mark Bowley. Can't believe Nissan have let Jan go. Uh, Wherever he lands up, he'll uh, be very lucky. There'll be a works drive in WEC before too long. Well, let's ask him that tonight, shall we? Uh, also, uh, hello to Stephen Lloyd, who's uh, on the podcast tonight. Got the first round of the MX5. Uh, racing, iRacing League uh, this evening. Uh, Sarah Rigby on the way home in torrential rain. Well, that was 43 minutes ago. Sarah, I hope you're home. Thank you for all your hard work and all your uh, health service and frontline worker colleagues as well. Uh, busy shift today. Speak to you all at 8 o'clock. Sarah, Martin, hope you're well. Uh, Guff Lamont, no airfares tonight. Looking forward to hearing Ben Keating's 7th attempt at Le Mans yes news about that in a moment uh, as well Oliver Giles feels spoiled this week with the season review of FIAWEC following midweek motorsport another one who was has a bit of an RC racing career in his tweets as well Kevin Payne's listening live uh, wouldn't it be great if RC racing could be persuaded to cover WRC with Ben Consty let's not forget that quite a lot of the uh, the team here at what is now uh, radio Show Limited, where the original rally radio for WRC uh, long since disappeared now, that free service Long before uh, the days of the Nick world. Damon, though. No, before, it, it, that, that is a fair point. Uh, but we used he, to he's up. basically drawn us out of the muddy quagmire that was Wales. I think we were gone before him, in fairness, but we did used to put FM transmitters and everything uh, as well. 
Uh, any news, says uh, Johannes, on VLN and NLS this year? Will you be involved? Stay tuned. Uh, I'll ask the responsible adult who deals with such things. I think we actually got um, nominated for a Sony Award for our outside broadcast coverage of Wales Rally GP one year. We didn't win, but we got a nomination. Michael Denny, looking forward to the show tonight whilst pretending, I mean, trying to work very, very hard indeed. Mike Sargent is working from home, tuning into live. First time in a while. iRacing Daytona 24 this week. Yes, that's right. Spooner in orange, putting together the lockdown Mustang, the RC car uh, at the moment. Fabian Zimmerman, uh, a cruise in a Singer Vehicles DLS on Forza. Ooh, nice. If only it was the real thing, huh? If only if it was the real thing. Daniel Summerskill listening to the podcast tomorrow. No airfares from Ted the Toy Man. My goodness, we've got a lot of people listening tonight. Uh, David Gilmore inspired Candy Apple and Red parts casting guitar while listening to Midweek Motorsport. That's Mark Jackman. Uh, Jackson, sorry, who's putting that axe together. Nice. Rob Jenner on the podcast in the office tomorrow. Ian McCarthy tuning in live. Dubai, uh, definitely, absolutely, inarguably, unarguably, surely, the best uh, 24 hour of the race of the year so far. Very kind. I think damning with faint praise there. Uh, James, EFA tonight, flying to Queensland this morning. I'll be catching up on the podcast uh, whilst recumbent, good use of that word, on the beach. Uh, uh, and hello to Jesse. Uh, and, oh yeah, Los Angeles earthquake area. Hope you're well, Jesse, and everybody over there is fine. David Two Bruce and everyone else who is tuned in. Vela Suds on his morning walk uh, as well. Tim, play the jingle. Not yet. What is the top... Oh, really? We have a birthday to celebrate. Oh, do we? Yes. Whose birthday do we have to celebrate? Well, it's not Adam Curry's birthday, but he is instrumental in this uh, birthday, or this okay. birth. Uh, do you remember Adam Curry? Uh, Think back to the ne- 1990s when you were a young man watching MTV. I never watched MTV in the 1990s. I didn't have satellite. Yeah. Uh, Adam Curry was a uh, VJ. Which yes. is uh, their equivalent of DJ. And he came up with a really good idea. Uh, to use uh, something called RSS to distribute audio. Oh, really? And therefore, on the 20th of January 2001, uh, he was involved in the first ever podcast. Really? Hmm. Okay. All his so idea. is it the birthday? It's not his birth- it's birthday, but it's the birthday, birthday of, of the podcasting today. 20 years right. old. Happy birthday, podcasting. How long have we been doing? All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. How long have we been podcasting? We started towards the end of 2004, I think. All right, okay, no. We we were pretty early. I mean, the first podcast that anyone actually remembers, and a lot of people claim that it's really the first podcast, was June 2003, um, and it kind of exploded from there. It wasn't until 2003 that it got the name podcasting, because, of course, in 2001, the iPod didn't exist. You are full of... Interesting information. I Top story indeed. tonight, Tim, on Midweek Motorsport Series 16 episode. Hwa. We're going to America for our top story. Hello, Shay. Hello. Uh, 
And we're going to start with some IndyCar news because Peretta Autosport, a new race team spearheaded by female automotive and motorsport executive Beth Peretta, has announced its entry for the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, the 2010 Indy 500 Rookie of the Year, Simone de Silvestro, has been announced as the driver of the car, which would utilise Chevrolet power and run the number 16. The 32-year-old from Switzerland... Uh, is a veteran of five Indy 500 starts and is particularly excited about this one. For me, it's uh, it's quite special to to be back at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, especially virtually. Well, and I can't wait to come during the the month the month of May. Um, I'm very happy actually that today is the day that I'm finally able to announce that I'm joining Pareda Autosport. Uh, it's a quite a special day. I think it's something that I've. Uh, worked for my entire life, you know, to get a, a proper shot uh, at this at this race, and I think it's it's super exciting that it that it's finally happening. And when uh, Beth actually called me a few months ago and told me about this opportunity, and I think literally an hour later I was on a Zoom call with Roger Penskin, but Denker, it was quite surreal uh, that it all happened so quickly. Uh, and for me to really come back to the speedway with a constellation like this, with, with the association with T Penske, it's really uh, to be honest, as a driver, a dream come true. And I think on something that uh, is really special. Uh, I think it's going to be the best uh, opportunity yet with everyone involved uh, believing in the same goal. So I think we can be uh, really successful when we when we come in May. Um, and I really hope that uh, along this journey, we will inspire more women to follow their dreams and also create some pretty cool opportunities uh, for them to join and uh, for them to follow follow this pretty amazing journey. Well, Simona mentioned there that Team Penske will provide technical support to Peretta Autosport uh, in preparing to compete in the race, which is on Sunday, May the 30th. Uh, Beth explained why she chose the Penske organisation. Mr. Penske has always been a bit of a mentor, and I think a lot of people will say that, those who know him. And he's been very generous with just ideas and thoughts, and that is sort of that intangible stuff that I am uh, extremely grateful for. But the technical partnership, to just be able to not come in completely cold and have um, that sort of that shared understanding of... And, and of course, it's great for Indy, but as you expand to understand you know, how to approach races at other tracks too, it's invaluable. I think that's very, very smart indeed, Sheer Adam, of, of Beth Peretta, who is a force of nature, who has been yes. around the sport for a very, very long time indeed and knows everything that needs to be known. Might not be a well-known name, but knows which way is up. To be honest, she should be a well-known name, um, more so than, than she actually is. She was the one who spearheaded SRT Motorsports when they ran in the American Le Mans series. They won the championship back in 2014. Um, they won a NASCAR championship under her leadership as well with Dodge. I believe that was Brad Keselowski driving for Mr. Penske at the time. But this is not the first time that Beth Peretta has dr driven down this avenue, and forgive the pun, but she tried to put together Grace Autosport. Um, I oh, think yes. that was five years ago now, and they were going to enter Catherine Legg in the Indy 500, but they ultimately didn't have the support behind them to get this done. So pairing with Penske's organization, Simona Di Silvestro is now going to be one of the top five favorites to win the Indy 500. Uh, it's a, a, The 16 car is their number. It's a Delara Chevrolet. Uh, just the Indy... At 500, as far as we know, part of the Race for Equality and Change programme uh, announced by IndyCar last July. Um, 
one-off this year, we're hearing potentially full-time entry in 2022. And if Simona has time within a schedule as a Porsche factory driver as well, there might be a couple of extra races this year. Yeah, and that's the key thing. Uh, When I was talking about this, when it was announced actually with a couple of friends, they said, hang on, what's she been doing anyway? She's she's not very old. She's been racing for a while, but what's she been up to lately? And I said, "Uh, factory Porsche driver? Mm. And the response was, ooh. So it's one of those things. She gets to keep that title. She gets a shot at the Indy 500. It's pretty much a dream year for Simona. And it'd be great to have her back. Um, I've I've always enjoyed talking to Simona. She's clearly a very talented driver. Um, interesting, isn't it? That attitude that you've just heard. She drops out of one series, and and despite being a a full full works driver, because she's not racing full time, and she hasn't been, she's dropped out out of people's consciousness. Yeah, and she, it's not that she's lost any of her talent, and she still has done racing. Um, she has run in the Caterpillar car, the all-female driver lineup, mm-hmm. a couple years ago alongside Kat and Christina. Um, she's been in the zeitgeist of sports car racing, just not IndyCar on the same stage. So this is the perfect opportunity to thrust her back into that position. And then if she does get a full season for the following year, well, that would be even better. No, massive, massive news. Uh, they'll still have to qualify, probably. So, you know, it's all very well seeing racing in the Indy 500, but there's a lot that has to be done between seeing that and getting into the 33 for the big race. Yeah, and and honestly, it's a bit funny because we're talking about um, Penske organization and not to stray off of any story, but this just reminded me, um, Austin Sindrick, one of our favorites, is going to be attempting to make his first ever Daytona 500 start because he too has to qualify to make it into that field. Now, Roger Penske doesn't field cars that can't make the show very often, so I think the chances for both Austin and Simona would be rather high. So that's our top story tonight. Let's stay, Tim, with IndyCar for a moment. Well, it sort of straddles. It's another driver who's uh, going to be doing the Indy 500. But unlike Simona, who we may not have expected to do the Indy 500 this year, she's a driver that we not only expected to do the Indy 500, but the entire IndyCar or NTT IndyCar series. And that is not something that Marco Andretti will be doing this year. Yes. No, and this one t- is very interesting because at the end of last season, Zach Veach was dropped from the team uh, Andretti Autosport. So they they went down to a five car team with the different driver, or a it was a four car team with an additional car that was under the Andretti Autosport banner, which was Marco's car, and he is part team owner of that car. But now the question is, what happens to that car? And where does Marco go? And I read an article earlier that was talking about how he would be interested in trying some of the big sports car races. He would love to do Daytona, Sebring, Le Mans. Well, yeah, who wouldn't love to do those races, Marco? Get in line. (laughs) Well, no, hang on. I will say about Marco, though, there is a part of my brain into which is indelibly etched, standing on the outside of Turn 1 at Sebring, when uh, Andretti were running the HPD, the the, the open top uh, prototype, and uh, I was standing on the back of a golf cart. It must have been a, 
early practice session or something that we weren't covering back in those days. And for three, four, maybe five laps running, watching Marco take turn one absolutely flat in in that Andretti HPD uh, in the uh, the open top uh, sports car. He's got provenance. Things have moved on. It's not going to be easy. But Andretti, have all, I mean, we're going to talk about Andretti later on. But Andretti have now at least share got an interest in sports car racing with with LMP3. Very much so. And in the form of Jared Andretti racing in the MC Prototype Challenge for this upcoming season, that is a possibility for Marco to come in and, and whet his appetite, in a sense, to get his name back in the IMSA paddock. And it sounds a bit silly to say something like that, get his name. Everyone knows who he is, but you need to prove yourself and you need to prove that you're worthy of one of the big time drives before you're going to be given the opportunity, particularly since we have so few cars at that mm. top echelon that he would be looking to enter. That, that, that is a fair point. It's not as if... Uh, he could just elbow his way in. Um, if he did, uh, I mean, he can't do. I don't think he can do prototype challenge, could he? Because he's a, he'd be he'd be listed as a platinum driver, which is not allowed, is it? Uh, let me check his driver rating. I don't know that he would be platinum because I don't know that he's won a championship recently. Um, mm. And of course, oh, the site is stalling. Years, has he? He, no, he could very well be a, a gold driver. Uh, okay. Scrolling okay. down to the end, Jared Andretti is the only Andretti listed, actually, on the FIA, FIA driver rating Yeah, because he probably hasn't got his, his rating uh, as yet. We'll watch that one with interest. Huge amount of, of IMSA news, uh, obviously, with the raw just around the corner and news of our coverage, our live coverage uh, over the weekend coming in a wee while. Here's another story, though, that straddles uh, IndyCar and IMSA with the news share that Laura Wontrop Clouser will be taking the uh, what is a new role uh, as Chevrolet's sports car racing program manager that includes the factory Corvette racing operation. Uh, she's been involved for a while. She is a very familiar name and face as far as the Cadillac brand goes. She's She's been heading that uh, organization for quite some time now. A very integral part of their success, I would, I would even say. She comes from the engineering background and reminds me a lot of uh, Sarah Robinson, our friend from Michelin, oh, yeah. in the fact that she can back up what she's talking about because she's got the experience to go with it. As far as a replacement for Doug Behan. There can be no replacement for Doug, so they're not trying. And they've given the best possible person that they have in their organization as far as a racing passion and an engineering knowledge the shot. And I think Laura is just going to take that program and run. I've met Laura a couple of times. In fact, I've stood next to her and asked her questions uh, at a variety of events, including the Cadillac... um, V-Series owners events that we've done at Daytona for the last few years because she has been uh, the person who was heading up the DPI VR Cadillac program. She's been, uh, that was, when was that, 16, 17? Uh, She's also been looking after the Camaro GT4 customer uh, effort. And so she's she's been in there for quite, quite a long time. Mechanical engineering, as she said, she came from the production car side, Shane. I think this is, Really important. She started work with GM on the C7 Corvette, 
and then she was the manager for the ATSVR in 2016. Now, I've driven both of those cars. They're both fabulous road cars. She knows racing and she knows the brand. Yes, and she gets it from a fan perspective. She's someone who will go to the car corrals. She'll interact with people yeah. to get to get real owner feedback. And she'll speak that uh, language as well, by the way. I, I'm pretty certain that we've talked about her doing some racing herself as well, because most of the people involved in the Cadillac uh, V series programme have got race licences. And, and, and I think that's important. As you said, there's not another Doug Feehan out there, but this is not Doug Feehan's job. Um, it's kind... He was... Corvette program manager uh, and she's now Chevrolet sports car racing manager there's a subtle difference there but it's difference enough I think it is and and it's not going to be anything bad Laura is not going to take the program in a, a different and negative direction I think it's only going to continue to grow and flourish under her and to be honest I'm, I'm really happy for a friend to be getting this job they uh, she drives by the way a 2013 GS, the uh, and I think it's a, an anniversary edition. Uh, certainly, I think it's a 427-powered uh, car, um, which is great. I uh, I suspect, although I'm I'm adding this as a bit of speculation, why would I not be? Um, <laughs> that all sorts of things are being looking at by Chevrolet at the moment, and uh, Laura will be right at the forefront. Of that. At Specutainment, if you'd like to get in touch with us, please, uh, that's how you can join the conversation. And as always, there's a steady conversation going on as well on the Facebook pages. That's the Radio Show Limiters listeners uh, collective, uh, all ready to go. Tim, do you want me just to continue with some other sports car news? Have you got anything specific? Uh, well, let's uh, do Ryan Eversley next. Okay. Share Adam. He has a full season ride. All the Eversley fans out there can rejoice. Uh, Ryan will be back once again in the TCR category of the Michelin Pilot Challenge, driving this time for Atlanta Speedworks. He's going to be alongside Greg Strelsoff, who's coming back to TCR cars after a five-year break from running an ST. Uh, so his first experience driving these TCR cars in competition will come during the four-hour contest, where team owner Todd Lamb will also join the pair from Atlanta Speedworks. So that's going to be pretty exciting to see what Ryan and Greg can do. They're only one of three Hondas entered for the Daytona race. There's an Audi, there's an Alpha, and then there are eight Hyundais to go along too with the TCR class. So it's going to be nice and busy. And? Would you like me to keep going with the pilot challenge news? Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we got we got quite a bit of this. Um, so how about the fact that there's only one Bimmer World BMW mm. for this year? The team has been running two cars for the last handful of years, but they've got one car for James Clay and Nick Galante for the full season. They're joined by Mike Skeen for Daytona. Um, speaking of new cars, we've got Wright Motorsports. They have added a GT4 Porsche to their uh, stable. They're still going to be running in GTV with Ryan Hardwick and Patrick Long for the full season, but it is Jan Halen and Ryan Hardwick who are going to be driving in Pilot Challenge, so it's giving Ryan a little bit more track time. We've got McCann Racing back in their Audi GT4 car, another GS machine, but instead of being Britt Casey Jr., who has shared that cockpit with Michael McCann Jr., it's going to be Andrew Davis, so that's 
going to be exciting to see Andrew in not one, but two Audis at Daytona this coming weekend. Uh, that's all uh, Pilot Challenge news, of course. That's just practice uh, this weekend. Just practice coming up. Uh, although there will be a qualifying session and a qualifying race for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. More uh, of that in a moment. But let's have some more um, Michelin Pilot Challenge stories here. Okay, we've got two more that you know about. We've got Spencer Piggott joining Sheila. Oh, hang on, hang on. You see, I knew this would happen. Two more that I know about. Shea, I did say in our notes before we came on air tonight that Shea could bask in the glory of getting so much right last week before it was all announced on the entry list. But she's got even more news tonight. All right, give me the two that I know about first. You can call me a Peanuts character because I'm very snoopy. Very um, good. The two that you know about, we've got Spencer Piggott joining uh, Motorsports in Action in their McLaren, Mia, um, alongside Sheena Monk for the year. They will be making the debut at Daytona. And Spencer's going to be a busy boy because he is also racing in an LMP3 machine for the Rolex. Uh, Felipe Fraga can't make it out of Brazil, COVID-related right. issues stopping him from so traveling to no, the United States. Does that mean no Corey Lewis then in the motorsport and action car? Correct. Right. Okay, that yep. makes sense. Um, and then one of the stories that I saw that was your favorite um, right written story, uh, the 93, which is one of the two Carbon Audis. It, the 93 <laughs> will be the only one running for the season. But it has a, quote, rotating lineup, which what, so you took to mean. Are they spinning off all the time? I'm sure that's not what <laughs> it means. <laughs> no. I'll get my code. <laughs> that's not what yeah. it means at all. It means they're, it's, a, it's effectively, to use a, a stick and ball sport kind of analogy, th- they've got a squad system for their drivers. Is that right? That's exactly what it means. They've got a bench. Uh, they're prepared Very to good. use it. And for for the Daytona race, the Carbon with Peregrine Audi will have Mark Siegel, who has driven uh, the car. He's part team owner. He's been in the car uh, maybe five times before over the last few years. His son, Nolan Siegel, who's stepping up from an open wheel background. He's done karting. He's done some open wheel. Now he's trying a GT car. They're joined by Tom Dyer. And over the course of the year, Nolan will be joined by Tom and the 2019 GS champion, Tyler McQuarrie. So mm. rotating, we hope not, but ever-changing, yes, for that lineup. Okay. Now, those are the two stories I knew about. Which is the one that I didn't? Uh, the one that you didn't is that our champions, Core Motorsport, K-O-H-R, yes. they ran an Aston Martin last year with Nate Stacy and Kyle Marcelli. They won the championship. They have reverted back to a Ford Mustang for this upcoming year. One car, the number 59, because Kyle Marcelli, who is the defending GS champion, will be joined in the car by team owner and Ford aficionado Dean Martin for the full season. Right. Very interesting. So that's the Pilot Challenge news, the Mission and Pilot Challenge news. Uh, what do you have on the WeatherTech? Oh, by the way, I should say we've got a bumper IMSA Rolex special next week uh, from the usual time, 8 o'clock UK, 3 o'clock uh, Eastern, if you're in the, the US. We will have had the raw by then. We're also going to try and put together a few preview shows for you as well after the cars have run at the raw. But what uh, weather tech news do you have for us? 
Okay, well, if we're going to be doing a special, then I'm not going to get into all the changes that I found out in the rule book yesterday because I sat down with a pen and paper and took notes on that. And there are a lot of really yes. juicy little tidbits. Yes. Um, the pit lane is already set, by the way. We are not qualifying for pit boxes as far as the roar before the 24 is concerned. On the bottom of the pit lane map, which came out earlier this week, it did say for roar and Rolex. So that's a change for 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, as for big things off of the driver uh the driver included entry list i'll say because the initial one had no drivers listed which was just a little bit frustrating um we've got nt esport running an audi they've got alan metney and andrew davis as their two full season drivers don yoon joins them for daytona and the endurance races and jr hildebrand making his rolex debut and i think it might actually be his sports car debut even for the 24 wow okay We've got BMW with the long-awaited announcement. Uh, They will be Ah. doing the endurance races only. But that really doesn't set into effect because the first GTLM race that's not an endurance doesn't come until July. Um, So we don't really have to think about that for a little while. They did announce their drivers, though. For car number 24, it's John Edwards and Jesse Krohn, Life is Normal. They're joined by Augusto Farfus, who's won Rolex the last two years on the bounce, and Marco Whitman making his debut. And we've got in the 25, Connor DeFilippi, Bruno Spengler, Philip Eng, and Timo Glock. So we get to say pew pew a lot throughout the course of the race. <laughs> Apparently he's been pardoned now for his... Uh for his antics uh, in uh, in Brazil. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Uh, what else have we got in, in WeatherTech? We've got Lexus lineups for the 12 Vassar Sullivan car. Frankie Montecalvo and Zach Beach for the full season. We knew Townsend Bell was going to be their third driver, but Robert McGuinness has been announced as their fourth, somebody from the open wheel ladder that Jeremy will be very familiar with. For the 14 Lexus, we knew that Oliver Gavin was going to be the secret ace plug-and-play driver alongside Jack Hawksworth and Aaron Tielitz, but it's Kyle Kirkwood joining that team once again. He did make a couple of starts last year. Didn't actually finish, which was unfortunate because Kyle is one of those up-and-coming stars to keep an eye on. Um, we've also got two, well, is it fair to call them up-and-coming stars, John? The, the additional two drivers in the 88 Porsche? <laughs> hmm, interesting. Uh, <laughs> not sure. <laughs> I, I'll call them upcoming stars. Uh, Christina Nielsen and Catherine Legg are joining Earl Bamber and Rob Ferriel for the 88 Porsche effort, uh, hard should, racing and EBM. And I should say that when you were giving off all of the stuff that you did last week, that I, and I got very confused when we put the show together at night because there was so much stuff that's been coming out that I couldn't remember whether we talked about or not because you were so far ahead of the game. But you were using information there that was actually, if people wanted to go and look for it, publicly available. We've been sitting on the Catherine and Christina story for a little while because that wasn't our announcement to make. There's a subtle difference there, but we're very excited about it nevertheless. Yeah, thrilled about this. And the understanding is that it's a one-car effort for Daytona. It will be a two-car effort going forward. So the two girls will be hopefully running a full season. I say hopefully because we never know what's going to happen. We can only count what's what's happening today and can't plan for tomorrow. Um, but they will be joining Earl and Rob for this race. Now, if they do go forward for a full season effort, there is a slight penalty for them because they won't be able to qualify or participate in the qualifying race, which means that they will score zero points as far as that's concerned. So going forward, they're in a slight deficit points-wise for the full season, but that is uh, recoverable over the long term. Um, We've had... Yeah, 
Yes, John? Somebody did ask, in that 100-minute race, I presume it's the full-season driver pairings that would normally take the car through that for the teams, yes? So this is a slight tidbit from my rulebook research, but the drivers who participate in that race are the drivers who will be awarded the points for qualifying which then go into your full season championship points. If one driver that is full season participates and one does not, they are then off kilter. Yeah. So the driver who participates would, in theory, win the championship by themselves. There yeah. is no benefit for a full season pairing to do such a thing. Okay. Any more um, weather tech news? Yes. For Tower Motorsport, oh. we found out their second two drivers and they're bringing in the French. We've got Timothy Bure oh, yes. and Matthew Vaxvier coming in to be their third and fourth drivers alongside John Ferrano and Gabby Aubrey. So that is going to be a very French car. Speaking of the French, the French will be the grand marshal oh. of the race because it is the one and only Pierre Fion who will be dropping the green flag. President of the ACO. Very nice. Uh, and... Uh, that is a great honour for Pierre. Actually, repaying the honour that uh, uh, we had at Le Mans. Was that last year? Was that the year before when Mr. France went over and, and waved the flag? Uh, uh, it's been a couple of years now, I think. Right, really? OK. Uh, and finally, from me, unless you've got any more um, uh, weather tech news. Um, I've got one story that I'm working on right now. Um, our uh, entry is down to 49 i'm hearing ah. that black swan racing will be withdrawing no. from the rolex due to covid um so that is something i'm trying to follow out i'm trying to actually get a response from somebody on the team right now but that is what i'm hearing so that that's really unfortunate because that was larry tenvord patrick Lindsay joining patrick pile and tim pappas so we'll find out more as the trucks actually roll in later today for parking yeah absolutely um the other story that I've got from IMSA is that our friend Tristan Herbert, who's been the competition manager for Audi Customer Racing in the US, uh, is going to Andretti. But he's not going as Tristan Herbert competition manager. He's going as Tristan Herbert driver. What? Oh, yes. He's going to be Jared Andretti's co-driver. Oh, I've got one over on Shea. No! Well, Tristan's a decent peddler, a really decent peddler, yeah. and he's been driving the RS3 uh, uh, Audi uh, saloon, the, uh, the LMS TCR car uh, in SRO competition once in a while uh, in the US, and he is going to be the co-driver to Jared Andretti. He's an NLMP3. Oh, that's fantastic. You know why? Because that means we get to interview him and have his salubrious tones on our airwaves. Oh. He's got one of the best voices. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And he'll have a good time and he will do, I am sure, he will do very, very well indeed. By the way, I should say, and we'll talk a bit more about this next week when we do our our previews, but the um, prototype challenge, uh, nearly 20 cars in that year. We worried that putting an LMP3 category in WeatherTech might really hit the substantive championship hard but it, it, it's got a good entry it has a very good entry and the funny thing is that there's not as much crossover between the the two that i thought that there would be because if you've already got the car you've got your team there we've got a few efforts like performance tech uh, rasmus lind is running in both uh the lmp3 car in ipc and the lmp3 car in weather 
tech. Uh, we've got Volt Racing. Alan Brynjolfsson is going to be driving in an LMP3 machine as well as the Aston Martin. Win Autosport, which is Stephen Thomas, is going to be running an LMP2 in the Rolex and in a Duquesne in the IPC category. So we do have a few. Oh, and and uh, of course, Milner is running the same lineup in, in both classes as well with, I would presume, the same car. Um, but it hasn't really sabotaged anything. It, no. it is a really pleasant thing to see. And congratulations on getting the Marcus Ericsson thing. Will you come back in the second hour, please? Because I've got some more sports car news for you, if you don't mind. Oh, OK. OK. Thank you, Shay, for the time being. Um, our super sleuth from the IMSA paddock, uh, VP uh, Racing Field Pit and Paddock reporter. Tim Gray with some news on programmes later this week. And tomorrow, in fact, because by this time tomorrow, we'll be two-thirds of the way through the first episode of The Simcast, which is our brand-new show looking at racing simulators uh, and anything virtual. Uh, tomorrow, it will be hosted by Matt Hunter and uh, Jordan Groves, with a possibility, I'm told, that uh, Lewis Sattley might uh, drop in as well. 8pm RS1 tomorrow evening. Well, January, of course, means one of the Blue Riband events in the motorsport calendar year. It is the start of the World Rally Championship and Rally Monte Carlo. And delighted to say that joining us from just over the border, actually, enjoying exactly the same weather at the moment that the WRC runners will be uh, for the Monte is Ben Constantinus. Happy New Year, Ben, and uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Um, a, a Rally Monte Carlo that kicks off what is... Um, proposed to be, says Heindorf, picking his words, uh, picking his words very carefully. A twelve rally calendar for WRC this year. As with everything else, and every time we talk about calendars, we've got to say, Ben, that some of those, um, if not all of those, uh, are very, very provisional. May not be in terms of uh, officially provisional, but clearly WRC is going to have to roll with the punches, just like everybody else. Absolutely. The one great thing about the calendar that uh, kind of isn't not it wasn't planned necessarily, but usually we have our Mexico and Argentina um, travels in March uh, and April. And uh, they are not happening this year. We're staying in Europe and therefore there's a bit of a gap. They didn't really fill that hole with anything. Um, There was supposed to be Rally Sweden. That's fallen off the calendar uh, and been replaced by arctic rally finland in lapland as as north as wrc has ever gone and then the croatia rally uh, in the end of april um a new organization they've not even done um a rally before as a um what's the word test uh, event a test event yeah exactly and then we go back into the usual calendar but that doesn't really start until may so round four in may i think personally i think we're good for uh, and let's let's kind of see how it pans out uh, after that point it is possible to run a rally um, in COVID times, as Monte Carlo is about to prove. But uh, it's a lot harder than if you were doing it at a circuit, for instance. Uh, Rally Kenya, Safari Rally Kenya sticks out for me uh, in, yeah. in June. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to see that go ahead. It, it might be difficult. How, how much is that going to look like the Safari Rallies of old, though? It's surely not a, a complete re- new build of a car because... I, I'm old enough to remember when you, you went with some really weird and wonderful concoctions over there. Certainly the test event they did two years ago threw up some pretty unique conditions, conditions that they used to see at the Safari Rally. Mm. But uh, the way that the, the they have to draw up the routes now, um, 
effectively, if you look at the guidelines, there's a huge amount of guidelines from the FIA as to uh, how organisers have to draw their routes up. They have mm. to be less than X amount of kilometres. I think now 50 kilometres is the maximum you can do uh, per stage. There have to be a loop of three um, or if you're going to have more than the, the rest of them have to be very short. There's a maximum amount of kilometers you can do per loop. And so, yeah, you can't do these big, long touring stages like rallies of old, uh, like the Monte Carlo had as well and, yeah. and rally um, RAC UK uh, back in the day. So it will look much more like a conventional setup of a rally Friday, Saturday, Sunday, probably um, a loop of three uh, repeaters. Yeah, they work on that sort of a hub and spoke type of thing. You have the central yeah. area and you, you whiz off in, in different directions. Looking further through the years, uh, Rally Belgium in August and then possibly off to Chile. That one's got to have a bit of an asterisk next to it. Uh, finishing off in, in Europe with the Rally Spain um, and then potentially Japan in in November, quite heavy tarmac at the end of the season. Yeah, Ypres in October tends to be kind of a bit of a mixed bag in terms of weather. Um, in August, it should be much better. Okay, it's still so Ypres, faster. So yeah, it should be faster. Um, it will be full tarmac. Chile, as you say, it dropped out late last year for 2020 before COVID even began because of money issues. Let's see if it comes back again. Spain is a full tarmac rally this year. Yeah. Usually it's one of those mixed ones where we have a day of tarmac and a day of gravel. Uh, so we've got three tarmac rallies in four rallies at the end of the year, um, which will certainly favour certain drivers over others and cars over, over others, others as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just before we talk about this year and the, the opening event at, at Rally Monte Carlo and the entry for 2021, got to just flick back for a moment to the end of, of last year and the Monza rally obviously put together to fulfill a need but for me sitting at home watching it all and from what i read from other places um pretty much a success so another event like that that could be slotted in at relatively short notice might be an option for wrc this year yeah there's been more and more talk of basing rallies closer to racetracks so mm. The proposal for the next Rally Australia, which obviously is not on the calendar for this year, but maybe next year, is to be based out of Bathurst and do a very similar thing. Have these wow. shorter stages, um, much more Jim Carner-like, yeah. um, punchy. And it's it's certainly something that attracts uh, a younger generation. The purists uh, say, well, it's not really rallying. We used to do 100 kilometers per stage. And now you're saying six around some cones. But as you say, and, and I was exactly the same, I was really entertained by it. I Me was too. engrossed by it. Unfortunately, there was a bit too much of a gap between each stage to really uh, keep you sitting on your sofa all the time. But that can be tweaked. Mm. Um, let's see. Oh, we haven't got any of those in our calendar this year. Um, but by the end of the year, we might see Monza pop up for sure. And as circumstances change, my thought immediately was, um, and they had they had a 20-kilometre stage around the, the park at Monza. Yeah. Um, they did really well. I thought they did really well on that. And, and I, I accept that that's a bit of a, a, an oddity is Monza. Not all racetracks are, are like that in the, in the surroundings that they have and on the banking. I just thought it was stunning. My thought went to the fact is, imagine the grandstands, even if they'd only been half full, what a, what a, uh, an atmosphere that, that event would have been. And what I'm not seeing, and our listeners will know this, I'm sure, on the WRC is Rally GB and look, looks likely not to have Rally GB, uh, certainly not on the mainland, for a little while. 
Yeah, well, Wales Rally GB obviously being closed down through COVID last year, um, still with those kind of issues lingering. Wales has been an incredibly um, strong with their lockdown regulations and therefore no real ability um, to run a Rally GB in Wales. There was interest um, from Ireland to bring it onto the tarmac. Um, and I wonder whether it's a Brexit thing or or whether it's a COVID thing, but that kind of seems to have fallen apart, at least for the moment. Um, hence why Ypres has gone into their place and, yes. and replaced it. But what a sad state to, to lose such an iconic rally. Yeah, and Ireland, uh, the motorsport authorities north and south of the border, uh, I'm going back to my time on W. Uh, RC and there was always talk then of, of being interested. We went and did a recce at one stage uh, in uh, Ireland with a, a cross-border style a- event on some of the great tarmac roads there that, again, people of a certain age, <coughs> me, uh, remember uh, Rally Island on tarmac. It was outstanding. Let's talk about this weekend then. Kicks off tomorrow, Thursday. No warm-up, effectively, in, in circuit yeah. racing terms. Uh, no shakedown. So the 10 WRC cars and crews will get off onto what is a, a very much shorter Monte Carlo route than before, um, under a couple of hundred miles in total. Um, meet of the rally, really, on Friday and and Saturday. That's That has been necessitated by by French regulations, actually. And, and some of the start times have been brought forward as well. It looks like there's going to be some pre-dawn running, which probably hasn't happened for quite a while. Yeah, um, France at the moment is subject to a 6 a.m. to or 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew. So in theory, you're not allowed out of your house after 6 p.m. and you're not allowed out until 6 a.m. in the morning. However, you are allowed out if you're working. Um, you have to have a piece of uh, an, an app that uh, basically explains what you're doing. Um, I live in France. Uh, we have very little in terms of regulation of this regulation. Um, but of course, for a rally, they have to obey them. So I think it's on Saturday. They start at 6.10 in the morning. Mm. They still got to get to that stage. So they're still going to be leaving the service park and everyone's got to be in the service park before the 6 a.m. curfew. So I don't know quite how they've managed to wangle it. But uh, either way, the, the stages themselves uh, sit within that curfew. We love to have those night stages on Thursday in Monte Carlo. They've been brought forward so that they, uh, the cars can be back at Gap uh, for before six o'clock. Uh, and then the traditional thing on Saturday is for the cars to do their opening loop. Uh, and then they've got a massive tour down to Monte Carlo itself from Gap. It's about a four hour drive mm. um, and they need to be in Monte Carlo before six, which basically meant cancelling the whole afternoon. Uh, on Saturday, uh, leaving, I think, just uh, two, st- uh, three stages uh, on on that day. And then the usual Sunday, starting from Monte Carlo. By the way, Monte Carlo, in no way, shape or form, under the same regulations uh, and strict confinement that we have in France, uh, they had their restaurants open for Christmas. Um, so everyone will be quite enjoying being in Monte Carlo, even if they have to get up early. Then they'll do the stages around Monte Carlo, the famous ones that we know well and love, uh, and then head back down to... Uh, Monte Carlo for the podium ceremony so it's always a bit of a struggle for everybody working on it because of these two locations Mm. Um, there is you only the top 60 will qualify uh, into the final day as well there are about 80 entries but if you do have uh, as we saw with Gus Greensmith last year uh, a lot of penalties from taking uh, rally two having crashed out on a Friday or Saturday sometimes you don't even get in uh, to that Sunday event so 
uh, going to be very, very interesting. Uh, two other things to note um, is it's probably going to be the snowiest one we've ever seen. Yeah, very uh, cool as well. So much. What? Yes and no. There's there's a lot of rain coming in on ah. Thursday, and then it's turning to snow. Worst oh, conditions right. ever because it means it everything is ice base. Um, but it's going to snow throughout the whole weekend and into next week. So uh, I think it's going to be very tricky for the organisers to make sure the roads are clear, uh, good enough, but not too clear. Remember we saw in Monza, we were expecting them to be rallying on full snow and the snowplower being through and cleared the roads. Um, We don't have that same thing in Rally Monte Carlo. They try and preserve the roads as much as possible. So let's see how it plays out. But I'm expecting to see a lot of snow on every single stage. The other thing to note, Pirelli tires, a change of tire, mm-hmm. and they've really had very little in terms of practice on, on the tire, especially the the snow tire with the studs that they use in Monte Carlo. Let's rattle through the manufacturers. Toyota Gazoo Racing World Champions again with Sebastian Ogier still paired with Julian Ingracia. Uh, that's the number one car for the Toyota Yaris WRC. His teammate Elvin Evans and Scott Martin. Uh, Toyota coming off a, a pretty decent year. Elvin third in this event last year. Uh, I mean, just virtually had his fingers on the championship, didn't he, until that last event. Toyota coming to this as, as favourites again? Seb is always strong in Monte Carlo. Uh, Elvin is definitely somebody who drives within himself, so he'll be conscious of the conditions. That a very frustrating corner in, in Monza was very uncharacteristic of Elvin. He was feeling the pressure and was needing to push, but usually he is the kind of person that you feel safe with changeable conditions, and that's why he did so well in Monte Carlo last year, moving into Sweden where it was a kind of a gravel snow rally and all of these weird rallies we had last year it really played into the hands of elvin um they've also got stability in their driver lineup they've got calais rovenpera in the third car watch out for that car definitely with a year's worth experience should be very strong mm. and katsuta will be learning still but it's the same lineup as last year yari matty latvler is now their team manager <laughs> uh, as tommy mackinnon has moved on uh, so very interesting that seb and uh, and yari were obviously teammates for so many years and now Yari Matty is is it basically in charge of Seb. So <laughs> let's see how that plays out. Very, very interesting, though. Uh, Hyundai with Oitanak and Martin Haviola. Uh, they've also got Thierry Neville. And their third car is Danny Sordo. A decent lineup. What can Hyundai do this weekend and indeed across the season? Danny Sordo with a brand new co-driver, Borja Rosada. Uh, very little WRC experience. Thierry Neuville with a brand new co-driver, Martin Wydegge, I think is how you say it. Um, and again, very little in terms of sitting in a WRC car. And when you speak to all these co-drivers uh, that have been in uh, the lower classes, the slower cars, when the co-drivers step up into a WRC car, and maybe it won't be the same at Monte Carlo because of the speeds and snow, it's it's you have to deliver so much faster. It's such a massive shock to the system for these co-drivers. So a lot of work to do for both Danny and Thierry uh, this weekend to acclimatize to their co-drivers. Why Thierry decides to change at the 11th hour? I think it was last Friday. Nicholas Gilsell's name still on the entry list that I've got here, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not doing it. Um, it was he had a three year deal and two of it, two of those years carried on uh, and as I say, last week, there was a change of plan. Uh, Thierry saying that uh, it was ne- it was necessary wow. and Nicholas saying that it was their choice. So some wow. contractual disagreement. But uh, Possibly, yeah. 
the let's thing see is, how Oif gets on as well because obviously massive crash last year he's got to put um, that with his head hasn't he he's just got to forget that the thing is yeah. about the partnership of, of driver and co-driver uh, always in rallying but particularly nowadays when you are so on the edge all the time you've got to have total confidence and if there isn't that if there's been some kind of falling out between Thierry and Nicolas then you know then the relationship's over and I can understand if there's been a problem. If it's just about contract, it, it, as you say, it might be a bit of a, an odd one. But I suppose if you're going to pull off the sticky plaster, you might as well do it straight away at the start of the year and yep. not let it rumble rumble on. We haven't talked about Ford, uh, M Sport Ford World Rally Team. Timo Sunanen, uh, along with Gus Greensmith, uh, Elliot Edmondson sitting alongside him again. Just the two Fords in amongst three from the other manufacturers uh, for this one. Uh, there will be a third. Oh no, he's uh, Adrian Formo. It will be driving a third Ford. Yeah, when he's in Rally Two isn't. this weekend, isn't he? Yeah, he's, exactly. he's he's quite well thought of the young Frenchman. Yeah, and I would have put him in a WRC car for Monte Carlo for sure. Mm. Um, surprised that 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 wasn't possible. Um, you know, M Sport as a company are having some seriously hard times. They've effectively the Bentley program has shut down. They were really affected by the COVID situation. They've had to spend so much more money just mm. to get into France because of Brexit situations, um, getting all of their people in before uh, effectively the travel corridors were shut as well. Uh, all these COVID tests that people need. Uh, horrible times really for Richard Milner uh, and the whole of the organisation up at M-Sport. Um, so just to have two cars there and and you know funded uh, partly by Gus Greensmith and, and Timo Soon and bringing money into the very much a, a customer yes. team for this year. Um, you know, Esapeka Lapi was by by far the, the strongest of the three, but because he couldn't bring any money, he's not in at all in a World Rally car, and and that's a that's a real real shame um, for M Sport. I hope that something is able to support them, especially with the transition going into 2022, where they've got to build a car with a hybrid system yeah. without real Ford support. Yes, abs- absolutely right. There are, uh, as we said, 10, I think we, we've worked out, WRC cars. The rest of the field made up by WRC2, uh, WRC3. By far, the, the biggest cars, the 84, 85 cars on the entry are French national entries, and that's fabulous to see. Uh, uh, Oli Solberg uh, running for Hyundai. We'll have to rattle through this because we're running out of time. Um, uh, for Hyundai, obviously, big name, big reputation. But so far, I think he's lived up to that, Ben, to be honest. Uh, Rally 2 is effectively a works-entered uh, rally two car so not wrc car but with work support so all of those people in that entry list um effectively are works drivers the wrc3 category are for privateers hence why you see all the french nationals in there ultimately they're driving the same car ultimately the french nationals will probably be faster than most of our rally two our wrc2 drivers but as you say Oli solberg in hyundai uh, he'll be his second rally in that car uh, he's been in other cars previously. Oli Christian Vaby alongside him with lots of experience, but not for Monte Carlo. Um, Skodas, Volkswagen, Citroëns and Fords. Uh, WRC2 is always fantastic. I love as WRC2. Is WRC. Yeah. There's so much going on. And I hope that uh, uh, our colleagues at WRC Plus are able to follow as many of those as we can to, to really see what's going on. I say a good battle this year in uh, uh, WRC2 between 
uh, Ollie Solberg and Andreas Mickelson. Uh, Sean Johnson, the American, with his co-driver Alexander Kiriani, who won junior here last year, step up into WRC2. That's a big step for them. Um, I, I suspect they won't be able to repeat their win, but hey, uh, who knows? And I just want to pick out another class that we probably won't get to see a lot of, but if this is one that I really think evokes the old Monte Carlo rally. This is <laughs> Rally GT or RGT. It's, it's mainly Alpine A110s. Uh, there is one, a Bath 124 rally in there as well. The cars look fabulous. We caught a sight of some of them on, uh, there was a small class of them on, on the Monza uh, rally at the end of last yep. year. And Pierre Rags in one of the cars, a circuit racing endurance man, Pierre Rags with uh, Julian Pacenti, old French crew. These cars are fantastic. And of course, only two wheel drive. Yeah, rear-wheel drive. I'm surprised there's no Porsches on the entry list, but usually that's kind of uh, Roman Dumas, who's obviously mm. been on the Dakar and possibly didn't have enough time to turn around his dirt brain onto uh, snow brain <laughs> for this year. But usually the Porsches are fantastic. A couple of them um, in the entry list floating around France. Uh, Alpine have put a huge amount of support into the Monte Carlo this year, and that's why we're seeing comes some celebrity names, because they've really pushed... Uh, and made sure that the uh, RGT category in France is well supported and ultimately driven well. Usually, usually these drivers are very gentleman drivers driving a nice, powerful car, rear wheel drive uh, on tarmac around France. So to get some people like Pierre uh, to bring some extra profile is very, very cool. Ben, thanks very much, mate. Uh, have a great weekend. I know you like us. You'll be sitting watching. I know you're not down there. Yep. And we'll, we'll speak to you later on this season for a WRC update, mate. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Midweek Motorsport. Half time. And while we swap ends, here's what's coming up. Couple of uh, tweets, first of all. Rotation says, bit ironic. Listening to Ben there. Uh, no rally suite the first time in years we've had some snow. And Ian, uh, no, Jack Martin says, Bathurst would be an amazing place to hold the WRC round. Great central hub for the team. Yeah. I like that. Like it, indeed. Add spec entertainment, please. Still to come, uh, uh, Jan Marpenbrough is on the line. We've got it uh, sorted out. Nick David with two-wheel news and Formula One. Shea will be back uh, with some food news, some kind of chilli bowl news. I don't know. Uh, and also some more sports car news. All in hour two of Midweek Motorsports Series 16, Episode 3. Stay tuned. Oh, oh, WEC Review follows us tonight as well. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Well, delighted to say that joining us now uh, is a long-time friend of us here at Radio Show Limited and Midweek Motorsport, as we have been talking about since the start of the show. Welcome and Happy New Year, Jan Mardenborough. Jan, welcome back to the show, mate. Happy New Year, John. Hi, guys. 2021, we'll talk about in a moment. Not going to be with Nissan, but before we do that, let's talk about 2020. Fifth consecutive year as a, a Nissan driver out in GT500. Um, it looked to me that that might have been one of your most challenging years uh, of motor racing that you ever had, Jan. It was, 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 that, was, that the, was that the case? Yeah, it was. Uh, the the brakes in 2020, they changed, obviously, with the DTM uh, common parts with Super GT and DTM. And it brought the whole field of uh, Super GT like way closer together. So there was a few races. You know, Super GT, we have success ballast. And uh, 
Kondo, the team that I'm with, with Yokohama, uh, we there's usually a few races a year where you can get a good result um, because other cars are heavy. And um, yeah, that race, round five, uh, the car let go on us and um, didn't really get a, a top result, but just constantly fighting the whole year. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a hard season. You know, we fought a lot. So we had some, you know, normal typical issues with with the car and um yeah it was it was fraught but you know in my my own performance you know I'm I'm still getting quicker I'm still growing I'm still improving it's just uh you're only as good sometimes as the machinery you've been given and yeah that's not like uh you know no disrespect to the you know Nissan or the team they they provide the best they can give me but mm-hmm. It's so very close now um, in uh, in Super GT, but uh, yeah, tough one, mate. Tough one. Character building. Character building. Uh, let's just remind ourselves, though. Yes, we're talking about Jan Marmbrook five years as an Nissan driver in uh, in and in Super GT, the Premier Series over there in Japan. But how many years have you actually been motor racing now? Because you do, you know, for those that don't know, I can't imagine there's very many of our listeners don't know, but you didn't have the the traditional way of getting in. So how many years have you actually been motor racing now? So it was from uh, June, June 2011. I started racing. Um, so yeah, maybe it will be 10 years this, this June, this year's June. First of all, our, uh, very great congratulations for what you've achieved. We've all followed your progress, um, uh, from right from the start of GT Academy with, with great interest. And I'm sure people are watching you now on, uh, world's fastest gamer as well, where you're passing on your skills. That must've been interesting yeah, it's uh, it, I love doing you know world's fastest gamer and even previous uh, GT academies as like a, a judge and uh, you know previous winner. It's I I, I do love it. It's uh, so last two, well 2018 was the last time I did the world's fastest gamer and um, we went to America to uh, did a tour through California and um, you know just to see these well they're kids you know some of them were like 19, 18, early 20s. And uh, just to see like the, the development, and some of them had experience in real cars, but a lot of them didn't. And just to see like the the mistakes they make and the way that they can learn from them. But it it was interesting to see like the same mistakes I was making when I first started racing. That's what I was gonna say. Did it take you back? Yeah, it did. It like it like the main thing when I was back then uh, was like the the vision where you look that was the biggest thing for like uh, for me as a gamer um, and it's still a problem uh, coming out of gaming initially into real cars um, during this competition and you can spot it so quick and it's you know the people involved they've all done GT Academy that the the coaches and stuff um, people behind the scenes so it's easy it's kind of we spot these little issues quicker and we can spot you know talent the guys that have it really quick yeah. I, I yeah I, I love it you know I, I I treat them you know uh, as a well as a professional but uh, not kind of tell them straight you know you need to do this and this and this and uh, yeah it's cool to do this is not what we got you on to talk about actually but now that we've got into that it strikes me you're the perfect person to ask this question to we've got our new 
series of our virtual racing program on uh, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, the, the Simcast, it's called. The guys who uh, used to do the Toro radio show for us, they've rebranded for, for 2021. It strikes me, though, that when you were doing GT Academy and you were gaming, to what gaming is now, that is unrecognisable now to when you were getting started in, in GT Academy, isn't it? We've, we've got guys who actually don't want to make the move into into full metal racing because they're doing very nicely, thank you very much, as pro pro gamers on iRacing and, and other platforms. That baffles me, to be honest, <laughs> like sitting here now. Um, but I've seen it, you know, on my own like uh, socials. I've, I've been in, like uh, tagged in an argument on Twitter and of uh, people uh, assuming that everybody wants to make the, the jump from virtual to, yes. well, reality whereas it's not the case there's many people that have uh reached a level in in um online racing in, in, in esports and uh they they're getting paid a, a handsome amount and making a career out of it and they can see a lasting career doing what they're doing and that all respect to them you know that just shows the level of um growth in in motor racing and in esports and racing games and uh um, simulators and I think it's a it's a win-win it's you know people's choice and usually the the sims that people uh, are using to make their career in, in esports are well it's not, they're usually very good so like iRacing, Assetto Corsa um, and even uh, Grand GT Sport now so yes. all respect to them. If you were starting all over again as a 17, 18 year old how do you think you'd do now? Well, if it was the si- exactly the same competition, so uh, say, I, in, well, when I entered it, it was Gran Turismo 5, but say it was the latest Gran Turismo, same style of the top 20 from six different European countries. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would, I would like to say I would. I would still be able to qualify. Um, it's not, at that point, for me, back then, it wasn't the, I'm not the fastest guy on gt sport <laughs> I'm, I'm not but i think when you have this opportunity of you have a chance yes to become a professional to live your dream mm. there's something inside you which where you just have this determination just not to say no and you always keep going and going and going like looking back i can't do the amount of hours i did back then like i'll be on the, the same you know eight nine ten hours a day for 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 weeks just trying to qualify whereas i couldn't do that now because I'm, i've got i've reached my i've made the the, the jump so the, that de- determination to sit on the sim for that long it's kind of like well i uh, you know i i, I want to race the real car yeah yeah but i would say yeah um i would i would make it again if i was in the same situation because you'd apply yourself, John, that's why. And that's what got you where you are now. And I've I've seen that in you right from the very first time I met you. I actually quite enjoy going doing sim work. I have to do it if I'm going to go and race because I'm never i I'm not that good and I don't have the time to go and do the testing. So an hour, a couple of hours up at, at Darren's place at, at, at Base Performance Simulators really helps me. But do you think you've had an advantage then in being able to the way your mind works, to be able to take that seriously and make that work, because there's clearly no point in doing it if you don't. The only advantage I see um, is doing this sim work, say if it's for car development, 
the advantage I have is, you know, I've done both. So I've got the experience of the sim and being able and to know the limitations Good of point. a sim. But also, if you're developing a car, uh, I've got the, the, you know, the, the experience of what works on a car, what, what should feel right on a car, how to um, develop a setup in real life and how it applies to the sim. Um, whereas, I don't know, if you're comparing me to someone who has just, who could be the best sim driver, um, esports driver on, on the planet, but has no real world kind of application of motorsport, then there is a there is an advantage on my side because I've got both. Um, but if people that are older than me, it works the other way. So uh, they're so in tune of being uh, in a real car, in a real racing car, and uh, there is a, when you jump on a sim, there is a sensation which um, is lost. So the vibration, you don't get that feeling for your backside and your, and your, and your back. And that's hard to, uh, to ignore and hard not to, to drive on the limit with. So I guess, yeah, for older people or people that haven't used sims before much during their, you know, their career, um, I guess it's harder. And then the other way, if you're developing a car, uh, if you don't have the real world experience, you could be, you can miss out things that are relevant. We've got Jam Ambra on the line here on Midweek Motorsport. Let's talk about 2021 and beyond. Five great years with Nissan, we've got to say, first of mm. all. I know you'll be disappointed not to be named uh, in the the driving squad for GT500. And I'm, I'm not going to press you to give away any... Uh, any secrets? That's not what we're here for. But as you reflect on your five years uh, with Nissan in, in in the in the championship, what what are you most proud of? Most proud of uh, what well, my first win in that championship. Um, well, first of all, I, I love Super GT. I think it's the best championship in the world outside of Formula One. Um, the way that they have t- the tire wars going on regardless if it works on your side or not the last two years it hasn't been on my side being with uh, with the Hammer, but it, it makes the championship really like a crown jewel in motorsport for me and uh the the fact that the development of the cars in 500 are constantly being changed it's always especially with the engines they're always being updated the era rules a bit more restrictive now but you know it's uh it's it's such a cool feeling to know that you're driving something which a team that has provided you or a company that's provided you with, that's the ultimate of what they can produce at that time. And, rega- and that's with the tyre as well. Um, so, yeah, but, but uh, you know, best, I guess, best feeling would be winning with Kazuki Hishino um, in 2016, actually. We're in GT3. Yeah, that was a cool moment. Um, next one, there's a few. Uh, we had a podium at Sugo which would have been a win. Um, I'm not going to go into the reasons why, but um, yeah, that was cool. I had a cool stint, got into the lead, and yeah, it was just, you know, just nice, nice, um, real cool moments. And also there's many people within Nismo and Nissan that I'm still great friends with, people that actually have my back Mm. and uh, tell me how it is, and I'm forever grateful for them. Um, Still in contact with those people. And also, there's a few drivers as well that I'm very good friends with, and hopefully in the future we can still meet up and race together. Um, 
it's quite emotional actually yeah i can hear it in your voice mate i really yeah. i really can i really can let's look forward We've been talking on this show, well, in fact, even last series, before Christmas and even beyond, uh, further beyond that, um, about teams, drivers starting to look at LMP2 in mm. preparation for 2022-2023, LMDH. The parallel, obviously, between LMDH uh, and LMP2 is obvious. I would submit as well, Jan, that it's not that different. These new LMDH regulations are not are going to produce a car that isn't that much different from what you've been driving. All right, the engine might be in a, a different place, but if you strip a GT500 car down and have a look at, at what's underneath it and the spine, as the other guys keep talking about it, the, the tub, that looks rather like an LMP2 car, doesn't it? You, that, you must have transferable skills. No, absolutely. Um, and if you see where the, a lot of these drivers are going that are, say, a similar generation to me, um, they're all jumping now for this season into into P2, whether it be in uh, well, Asian Le Mans or in, in Europe, they're all doing that to get on the team's radars for 2022 in the future. And uh, yeah, it's a smart, smart thing to do in, with, with uh, GT500 and LMP2 um, and LMDH, it's, they're all very similar cars, especially P2 to 500. Um, the speeds are very similar. Okay, the engine might be in a different place, but um, you know these cars are so stiff. It's like uh, the driving style is, is pretty much the same. Anything with a you know shed load of downforce drives very similar. So. Yeah, that certainly seems for for Europe. It seems like the the way to go um, for uh, for for the next you know maybe five years. The future is um, in in Europe with that kind of race, and there's so many manufacturers coming into the top class again, which is awesome to see because it looked a bit shaky with just Toyota involved, really. So um, yeah, you know, my for me, I'd love to do be to do that. That would be mega. I would still love Japan. I still have ties there, but uh, yeah, to be able to do P2 and Le Mans again. I love Le Mans. I've been there th- only three times and uh, kind of took it for granted, I guess. I was like, oh, I'm going to be here every year and uh, after 15, uh, not the case. But um, man, that's that's the best race in the world. And wow. so, yeah, I have people that are you know, working on my behalf, trying to figure some stuff out for this year and... Uh, and get uh, the kind of like the balls and aligned for the future because it's not only like this season you got to think multiple seasons ahead of like yes. where you want to be and uh, you know if you, the smart guys they're doing that now. I'm sure there will be or there are offers out now uh, to you to do all sorts of things. Some of which might not involve racing, and we, we talked about your experience. Um, in car development and driver development, etc. How important for any driver, but particularly for you right now, at this part of your career, when you're actually, I think, coming into your golden years, how important is it to be racing something? It's critical. To me, it's 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 very important. You know, when I first started racing, I, uh, I, I felt... I didn't believe in myself so much as other people thought, as other people, you know, other people were like really kind of blowing smoke up my backside and, you know, respect to them. And they, they could see something was I couldn't, I couldn't, I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm just going to take it race by race. But it seems as you get 
now as I got older, I'm like, okay, I'm actually, you know, pretty good at this. You know, I'm, you know, being a pro for for many years, and it's it's like when you when other people lose faith, it's where I'm the most confident ever in my own ability, which is I find really weird, really and really strange, like uh, to be in this situation. And and uh, I'm not. I'm not even at my, I know when I'm at my peak, I'll know, everybody knows uh, as a professional, you know when you're over the hump, and I'm just getting started, I'm not even anywhere near that, that, uh, that leveling off period that comes with pros and drivers, so um, for me, to be on the grid um, in anything is, is critical, I've been, have, I've got offers, if I can combine that with doing, with real racing, the virtual simulator things, cool, that's that's fine. It's, you know, seat time. I can you know develop both aspects of my of my you know uh, of my driving. I need to be in a real car racing. I I will not accept right now just a uh, a virtual role because mm. I it's my inner self is like you need to be in the car. You know I've I've so much to give. <laughs> I feel like. Um, it's almost funny to me. It's like, oh, I have, how can how can people not see that I'm, you know, I've uh, I've got this speed and yeah, I'm not being taken advantage of. So yeah, that's the situation right now. Yeah, um, nothing concrete with, with other teams and in that's either in Japan and, and in Europe and uh, well, the rest of the world, but some virtual stuff. But I I can't except that only right now I need to be in a real car with uh, with uh, engines running well there's a lot of people listening to this who have contacts and they know how to get in touch with you Jan good luck mate fabulous five years with Nissan let's not at all discount what you've achieved when you talked about your three races at Le Mans a, a, a podium finish third at Le Mans as well of course let's not forget that your CV is exemplary and in and out of the car you've always been a gentleman for us and we appreciate that too as, as members of the, the press pass on your, the best to your family uh, it's a long time since I've seen uh, any of you through various situations good luck for 2021 and beyond thank you John appreciate it Pass my regards to Eve as well. She's listening in and she says thank you, Jan. Jan Marlborough, how big interview on Midweek Motorsport Series 16, Episode 3. Tim Gray is still up in London. Where to next? I am, and uh, I am indeed still up in London. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's his popular job. That's, yes. Uh, <laughs> where next? We're going to stay with sports cars. We're going to move to Europe. Um, so I don't think... We've got time to do the Japanese sports car stories that I wanted well, to try and squeeze in. I mean, that was story, and obviously, as well as uh, Nissan's announcement, which wasn't such good news for Jan, uh, we had uh, a Honda announcement as well. But I don't think we've got time to go into that because we need to move on to some WEC news. Uh, and Shay Adam is still with us. Before we do that, Tim, yes. can I just mention that we are covering? The qualifying the, the race raw, the yes, on, on Sunday. Sunday. We went through all of our IMSA race, and I, and it was my fault, um, because I wanted to get into rallying, which I know Nick will berate me about. Um, but Ben was great, wasn't he? Uh, and uh, I forgot to mention that we were covering the 100-minute race uh, for the pole position race, effectively, for the Rolex 24 on Sunday. Live in sound and vision, go to radio, uh, excuse me, IMSA radio 
imza.com. Uh, that's our our new sort of sub-site for all of our IMSA content. It'll still be available uh, on our main portal, but it's just easier to go there because we can put video on the front page and, and stuff like that. Uh, Shea Adam is back with us. Hello, Shea. Hello. Excellent. Do I have to move to Europe? I just moved to Utah. D- say again, sorry? Do I have to move to Europe? Tim said we're moving to Europe because I just moved to Utah and I really don't want to move again. No, you don't You don't have to move. You can stay okay. exactly uh, where you want. Um, let's rattle through a few of these stories. There's so much going on at the moment. It does seem that whatever else is happening in the world, endurance, sports car and GT racing is in very, very good nick indeed. We talked in our Dubai 24... In fact, we talked a few weeks ago about TF going into WEC LMP2, didn't we? Um, and Or in LMP2, excuse me. Uh, and I said, uh, and I said it again at the weekend, um, they've stepped away from Aston Martin, immediately got a tweet from TF, <laughs> who were up in the middle. Of, it was four o'clock in the morning in the UK. <laughs> and immediately, ah, no, wait, hang on. Um, we might be doing something with those cars. We now, and thank you uh, to... TF Sport for A, listening in and B, uh, making sure we got the news uh, the moment, in fact slightly before it went out, but we respected the embargo. Uh, two Aston Martin Vantages in WEC GTE Am. One in particular, the first one that they announced, because they split the announcement, including a good friend of ours with a great voice who is changing manufacturership. Yeah, it will be the seventh attempt at the 24 Hours of Le Mans for Mr. Ben Keating out of Texas, uh, who has previously announced that he was going to be running in the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona with TF Sport. They are going to be running an Aston Martin in that race in a couple of weeks' time. Well, a full season WEC entry, um, it's Dylan Pereira. And who was the other driver in that card? My name's just gone out of my head. Uh, Felipe Fraga. Felipe Fraga. Oh, of course, the guy that uh, Ben's been driving with everywhere. Um, But the second car is the one where the announcement just came out. And this is interesting. It has a little relation to Japanese news. So, Tim, you get a little bit of that here. But D-Station, one of the racing teams over from Japan, is going to be teaming up with TF Sport. Tamanobo Fuji and Satoshi Hoshino are going to be two of the three drivers in a second GTE AM Aston Martin. Yeah, that... Two very, very good uh, lineups there. Um, uh, we know uh, the two, Jap- two of the three Japanese drivers. It's the uh, the owner of of D Station. We'll have more news on that. Uh, let's stay with WEC news. Although moving to what I believe we're going to have to call Hypercar, which is going to really confuse everybody because it's Hypercar. Uh, uh, two versions of Hypercar, possibly three <laughs> versions of Hypercar eventually, uh, and LMDH. But it's all going to be called the hypercar category. Can we not just call it LMP1, please? Uh, Toyota, we expected this because their drivers had been tweeting, but no changes. I mean, it's not really a story, but it kind of is a story. It is a story in that the fact that there is no story. You're exactly right on that, John. Uh, we knew that Brendan Hartley was going to be continuing on in the program when the day after Le Mans, he gave that great interview with you and, and gave a little bit of insight into the hypercar. It has broken cover. It looks great, I have to say. 
um, and no driver lineup changes. So we get an opportunity for not only another Lamal win for the eight crew, but another World Endurance Championship for the seven crew. Or hopefully they could flip flop this time and Mike Conway can finally get that Lamal win. Please, please, please. Mm, he's, he's got to have a turn around there, hasn't he? Stoffel, right? Stoffel Van Dorn as a development driver. Oh. I, I'd, I'd like to see him do more, but as we've just said to to Jan there, you know. Uh, seat time drive. is seat time. Seat time is seat time. Yeah, alongside Norman Nato. So a very um, interesting role in the H24 project. This is the mission H24, I should say. And if you've got access to the internet, go look up the article. It's online with their headshots from this. It looks like Stoffel and Norman were skiing in the Alps and decided to put on their fire suits in front of a picturesque puzzle background. Um, but they will be testing this car to try and get it ready, both of them, with extensive experience in uh, basically renewable energy uh, and electric cars. That's the word that I was going for. Yes, the hydrogen car, of course, uh, which is very heavy at the moment, but uh, with the possibility of hydrogen cars running at Le Mans in 2024, it's an interesting, uh, a very interesting uh, development uh, and a very interesting programme. Um Real team stepping up to LMP2 with Loic Duval and Norman Nato. Yeah, this is interesting because Loic Duval has a full season program in IMSA uh, running with GDC. So it's his first full season in IMSA. So he's going to be a, a busy boy this year. They're going to be joined by team owner Esteban Garcia. Uh, and it's a car that's prepared by TDS. So that's a, a team that's run in the WEC for many, many years, knows how to win races. It's going to be a very good lineup, though. I have to say, when you read those three names together and then you realize the people putting the car together, yeah, they're going to be winning races. Uh, and let me see. Oh, lots of lots of Ferrari news. Lots of Ferrari news. Uh, let's do the works Ferraris. Okay, they're not works Ferraris. Okay. But if they were works Ferraris, they would look very much like AF Corsa. Um, a little bit of a, a shuffle round of drivers there. Drivers and numbers. Um, for the 51, nothing changes. James Collado and Alessandro Piaguidi, the champions back a, a few years ago now, they're staying in their car. They're staying teamed up. They've got a, a nice little thing going there. In the second car, it is going to be Daniel Serra getting a full season ride. He's replacing Davide Rigon, which is slightly um, interesting because Davide is running in Risi with Collado and Piaguidi at Daytona, so that's a, a little bit of something. But Miguel Molina is going to be the second driver in that car. It will no longer be the 71. It's going to be the 52. So at least in my notebook, the two Ferraris will line up nose astern, but we're still going to be calling it the 71 for a long time, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Okay. This is all in WAC, of course, I'm talking about here. Um, five AM cars. All right, whatever's happening in GT Le Mans, GTE in IMSA Racing... In ACO racing, particularly in GTM, uh, it's gangbusters. It is going crazy over there. So Iron Links, which was a team that ran uh, a stable of Ferraris at Le Mans this year, they're bringing two full season 488s to run in WEC, including the all-female driver lineup. So the Iron Dames are coming. That's for Health Ray, Manuela Gossner, and Michelle Gatting doing a full season of WEC. They've been running in the ELMS, and they've gotten quite a few podiums over the years. So they've got a good uh, trio going on there. They've got a second car with uh, Claudio Schiavone, Andrea Pettini, 
And Matteo Cressoni, who comes off of winning a championship in the Italian GT Championship. We've also got two cars from AF Course. No surprise there. Returning champs, Francois Perotto, Nicholas Nielsen. And then Alessio Rovera, which is a name that I don't recognize, but he's from the Italian GT Endurance Championship. So that's going to be another strong lineup. And then no surprises, Giancarlo Fisichella, Thomas Flor, and Francesco Castellacci taking up yet another season of running together. And then there's one other Ferrari, because that was four. Yep, I can do that math. Um, Settler is stepping up. Well, they're stepping sideways, I guess, because they're a team that runs in LMP2. They run in Delara. They will be at Daytona as well. Um, Roberto Lacorda is the only driver who's been confirmed so far in the GTE AM car. I don't know what that means for their prototype program, but the fact that it's going to be running in Daytona in January, I, I don't know how the schedule is going to shake out. I don't know where that car is going to wind up. Mm. Uh, just before we leave sports cars, I just had confirmation that it is the two full season drivers for Corvette. Thank you, Ryan. That's really important for the JTR guys who want to know if Nick's driving uh, at the uh, weekend. So they'll be <laughs> tuned in. H- hello to Mike Sayre from Bentley. Hello, Mike. Uh, always good to uh, know that you're listening uh, and uh, tweeting in. Although, in fairness, he's just as excited about the uh, uh, responsible adults fridge cake with the chestnut recipe uh, that he is on what's going on uh, on on the show uh, at the moment. Uh, Shay, you're absolutely right. You've just texted to me. You'd have to really try hard to keep Tandy out of any car at Daytona. Don't go away. Finally, in sports car news, it is the WEC entry list tomorrow at 21 minutes past midday Central European time. I think, Tim, we know pretty much uh, most of that. Um, we're just working to see who we can get at the moment to see if we can do a quick show about that and do a little additional show that we uh, will do tomorrow afternoon and then we'll probably repeat it after the Simcast. Uh, we are hearing there might be some calendar changes there uh, from the WEC tomorrow. And on the subject of endurance calendars, the uh, uh, TCR DSG Endurance Europe Touring Car Series uh, will be run over five events. Uh, Valoling on the 16th of May, Mons on the 30th of May, Misano on the 4th of July, Imola on the 24th of October, and on the 19th of September, TBC, but not in Italy. Uh, I do like the TBC ring. Very good. Yes. Very good uh, indeed. It's being run on the uh, Peroni race weekends uh, this year, but on Peroni race weekends which don't have the TCR Italy Championship or the Coppa Italia Turismo, so people can use the same cars to run in both championships or all three championships if they want to, which is a really good idea. Uh, Dave Alcock says, just bookmark the imsaradio.com website. Nice design and model of clarity of my on my tablet. Regular destination for me, I'm sure. That's the Sunday coming up uh, with that 100-minute race, which will set the grid for the Rolex 24. Details of our coverage across a number of series, of course, for the Rolex week. Uh, we'll have that for you next week when we have uh, a midweek motorsport, which I feel will be IMSA-heavy next week with Shea Adam. Uh, getting us all of the information. We've got Nick Damon on the line there for Hello, a crossover story. Good evening, everybody. Crossover with me. I, I'm going to start by asking you a from... question, Nick. All right, sorry, go on. Go on, then. I'll Tell me question. everything you know about Armando Christian Perez. 
There, there you go. go. <laughs> Shay, do you want to oh, help Nick out? We didn't realise that. Shay, what do you know about Armando Christian Perez? Uh, same as Nick. Mm. How about if I give you a clue? Right, he's not matched. Any ideas yet? I didn't even recognise the... Uh... Going well. <laughs> no? Oh, hang on. Is Hang on, hang on. Hang on. This, I don't understand. Amanda Christian Perez, is that the actual name of Pitbull? That is Who's the actual the name rapper? of Grammy Award winning global Yay! superstar Pitbull. I th- why is this in our show? Because he's bought a NASCAR Mr. team. Mr. 305. Ah, uh, yes. Mr. 305, he's bought a NASCAR team. Do you know, I, I had read that. Okay. Is that the story? Uh, yes, it's Trackhouse Racing. It'll be uh, making its debut in the number 99 Chevrolet Camaro at the Daytona 500 on February 14th with Daniel Suarez behind the wheel. Can't we let Shea go now? Oh, no. No, she's well, got she, to talk about can't... the chili bowl later, but she can go away if she wants to, while Nick Damon talks about motorbikes and other Thank things you, with Shea. two wheels. Uh, oh, yes. Where would you like to start, Tim, or do you want me to go through? I'd like to start with Ducati, who've uh, made a commitment Ducati. to another five years in MotoGP. Yes, five years of marvellous man management we can look forward to. <laughs> man management that would look... Uh, make Williams in the 70s and 80s look like a paragon of virtue. Actually, it's Williams... Put it this way, it's the, on, it's the only job that David Brent was too qualified for. <laughs> I've never um, even fairness. watched The Office, and I still think that's funny. In fairness, Ducati have been one of the most innovative manufacturers, and mechanically, the stuff they produce is incredibly interesting. Mm. Um, they're not very good when the things involved have blood supplies and heartbeats and um, a squishy. They're carbon, carbon fibre great, carbon-based life forms, not so good. That seems like a pretty fair summation. Mm. Uh, can we expect, what can we expect from them? More of a same then? Well, I think the reason they were waiting to confirm, of course, is that the, there was this on-running rumour until about November last year that both Ducati and Lamborghini were going to be sold, wasn't it? That, that uh, VAG was going to divest themselves of their Italian arm. And then there was a change in the board, and they've decided they're not going to do it. They've, and then they're backing behind them again. So I think they were touting them, or conceptually touting them, during the previous year. And then they decided no, they keep them. So at that point, of course, they have the backing of Audi, so they can say we'll be here for five years in MotoGP. Uh, yeah, it's part of the Audi technology business, isn't it? Rather than VAG directly. Yes. Um, yeah, but... And and so it's staying with them. Yes, they're staying with Audi, and therefore they are staying invested in um, MotoGP and, and I assume they're obviously going to stay invested in World Superbikes the next couple of years so they are mm. continuing to, to fight on both arms mm. OK uh, shall I carry on or do you want to go on to you can carry on OK thank you uh, let's talk about ah oh, 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 finally uh, this kind of don't do that that's a crossover that story leave that to right, last yes, yes no no that's fine um, MotoGP Cata test schedule all changed. Yes, I. It, it, well, you know, much as they, as people are bending with the wind and moving around, trying to get people out at a certain time and uh, and meet the regulations. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's 
it's hardly surprising that they're shortening the whole situation and the gaps in between coming and going. You know, what else are you going to do? You want Again, they'll be desperate to get back into Europe as well, just as, as F1 are now, who've got, got a single trip outside of, it, of Europe, and then they're back in as long as possible. I'm sure it's exactly the same for a MotoGP. Uh, Marquez is going for more Go. checkups. Yeah, the, the, they, they've, they're not, there's not, none of this bullish he'll be back by Tuesday yes, stuff. It's, I it's, all, it's all let's go through the crypt. I'm not saying he won't make a speedier recovery than June, which of course was the initial prognosis. Then he of course got then his wound was infected. Um, so it's a little bit interesting that he he you know I think he they have eased back on that. And there, was, there was even some conversations I think in the in the press over the last couple of days about why Honda weren't signing. Dovi, so they've they've kind of said no, no, we'll stick with Bradle, even though you would think, which makes me think they think they're gonna get him back before the end of the season. But um, yeah, I mean, they're basically being sensible now. Who hasn't given up on Mortal GP? Andrea Dovi, Dovi, did you say? It's my no. guess. No, he is called Andrea. Oh, is it... oh, and the brain's gone. Tell me, brain's gone. Yeah, Bad no, no. You know, it's your band's bloke. I knew it was, but I lost the surname. Well, he's, he, you know, he's, he can he can obviously come back in two thousand and twenty-four or two thousand, yeah, oh, four. twenty-three. Yes, I'm sure. Just yes, at the end of the season. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, fine. Um, just don't go to Malaysia and eat un, un, untested meat. Would be my advice to him. Well, absolutely. Absolutely so. Uh, this from Tom. Uh, I would point out fashion. for legal reasons Sorry. that uh, there was uh, never any proof that the meat in Malaysia or any other meat consumed by Andre Yanone had been contaminated. No, true. Which is the reason um, why he's banned by the Court of Arbitration of Sport. Tom Firth has tweeted out to Becky Tim and hello, Tom. I uh, hope you're fitting well, mate. Uh, and uh, keep safe, please. A renewal season, really, uh, and a, a set period for Ducati as KTM announcement was also five years wasn't it through 2026 is this about is that Ducati announcement I'm sorry that's just dropped in Um, is this Ducati amount does that um, go alongside regulations Nick or is that just I'm not actually as as I say with the rolling regulation rules there's nothing it's never quite as significant the changes that they make apart from the you know they've made a couple over the past 10 years they went to 800 and back to a litre again but apart from that it's all been incremental mostly it's been just banning things that have been there for a year um, because they're they're just they want to avoid an arms race. Um, my guess is much similar to, you know, Concord agreements. There's a standard contract to sign with the organisers, a two-way street. Dawn are promising them cash and exposure, and they're promising Dawn they'll be there. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably five years of the standard contract and just happen that two of the teams need to sign at the same time. Uh, before we move on to World Superbikes, a little bit of better news about Fausto Gressini, who had a, has had a really bad bout of COVID. Yep, he's, he's uh, on the mend. I'm, I'm, I haven't seen a, I haven't seen reports since about lo- this time last week. Have you got something more recent? Yeah, uh, yes. Sorry, I just took a drink there because I thought you were going to talk. <laughs> My apologies. Um, still in ICU and still having to have help breathing, but doing some physio now and is communicating. So it's a slow, but st- I, I was translating it from Italian, and my Italian is not fluent, as you well know. But um, it, it, it's the usual sort of uh, a statement that says from the family. That, by the way, this has come uh, and is also on the 
MotoGP, uh, uh, Italian MotoGP reporting, is that it's a slow improvement and a long, basically a long road ahead. As, hmm. as what they, we, we wish Fausto and, and the uh, Grassini family uh, all the best, and indeed anybody, of course, who has had their lives touched by COVID-19. I think that's it with uh, MotoGP. Mm-hmm. World Superbike. Yes. It's all happening today. It is all happening today. Shall we start with some news on uh, appointments? This is job news. Well, it is job news, yes. And and having seen this name at the uh, in the kind of picked out in the item, which is Leon Camia, who's been uh, around the world superbike palette with many works teams over the past. British superbike champion. Yeah. um, Most recently, he's run with Honda and Aprilia, but has had appalling luck with injuries. Um, He is one of the most beaten and battered riders out there from in the past few years. Um, he seems to decide to take the safer option. Um, all he has to do is avoid tripping over the, uh, the paddock stands in the garage um, because he's going to be the team manager of Honda. So it's Honda's racing, a racing team manager uh, in world Superbikes, And of course that's, um, you know, they do have now a big works presence there with the uh, uh, Alvaro Bautista and Leon Haslam um, ridden bikes, so it's a quite it's a very interesting appointment. Obviously, they 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 work with Leon, and they and they seems like they, they they want from him. It's a big promotion. He's you know he's still he's still probably not fit enough because of the, the injuries, but young enough to be riding himself. But yeah, uh, yeah I think it's pretty good. Interesting having talked to Ben uh, about uh, uh, Yari Mati Latvala taking on uh, the job of team manager for Toyota Gazoo. Uh, World Rally Team, uh, filling, uh, f- following on from from uh, uh, Tommy Mackinnon, uh, riders, stroke drivers, moving into into management. Uh, some sad news that the uh, twice world champion and the first Dutchman to win a motorcycle world championship title, Jean de Vries, has died at age 77. Clinched his first 50cc world championship in 1971 uh, with a victory at the Salzburg Ring. Uh, the Hockenheim Ring, Spa-Francorchamps, Monza and Harama. Uh, in doing so, the man from Kriedler uh, stopped MotoGP legend Angel Nieto from winning a third consecutive 50cc World Championship. Our condolences to the De Vries family and all those that knew Jan De Vries. Uh, absolute quality rider. And... Not the only to wield uh, death, unfortunately, to report, Tim. Uh, no. Uh, French motorcycle rider Pierre Chapin uh, has died after crashing on the seventh stage of the Dakar Rally. He uh, he passed away on Friday. Uh, he was taking part on his fourth Dakar. Uh, he uh, crashed five days before that, so last week, and had what appeared to have been fairly successful neurosurgery in Saudi Arabia after the crash uh, and was put, uh, the 52-year-old put into a medically induced coma in hospital. And the Dakar rally organisers released a statement saying that during his transfer by uh, medical evacuation from Jeddah to Paris uh, to France, uh, Pierre died from the injuries caused by his fall. Reminder, if we hadn't already had that in our minds as ever, that motorsport is dangerous and it can still happen. Our 
thoughts, of course, and condolences to uh, the family and friends of Pierre Chirpin. Let's move on to four wheels and Formula One news. Nick Tillman. No, I'm not going to. I, I had a much long, better transition than that. All right, you do that. No, I mean, I've oh, got... no, hang on. We've, 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 got a, we've got a crossover story. Because so just like Davide Brivio, we're moving from bikes to Formula One. Very good. Very good. Yeah, and that's where Nick Damon says, hooray! Well, not really, because it's so little news. I feel I'll be over, over-egging it with hooray. I mean, hadn't we done this so weeks ago? Yeah. We reported yeah. at Riggs. This is another one of the stories. And this is where I can't even remember... Um, whether and we were talking about this before i can't even remember the perfor- whether we did the performance tech lineup in dubai whether we talked about it last week or the week before i shared dug it up we've been having so much news that's only been reported in the last few days from other sources i can't remember whether they did it we we talked about Dav- david brivio going to alpine um and all the turmoil that was going on there it's now confirmed nick as He's got a strange title, Lord. It doesn't sort of fit with anything that we were expecting. It's neither team manager or program manager or brand manager or Alpine managing director. And apparently, it's the same sort of role as uh, as Frederick Vasseur, uh, title, sorry, Fred Vasseur, who held for about nine months. And when the original Renault um, moved to become a works team happened when they took over, uh, they, were they called Lotus at that point? I can't remember what they were called. Everybody was called Lotus at that um, point. But uh, yeah, so, they, so that, didn't, that didn't last so long. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, yeah. Let's be honest. They, they, Cyril Abitbul has has left. Um, therefore, there is a vacuum at some parts of the team. So I'm sure he'll slot in and, and provide his expertise to move the team forward as quickly as possible, as well as saying yes as often as possible to Fernando Alonso. Uh, the we're on series 16, episode three. Still no contract signed for Lewis Hamilton. No, no. No, they, that, that's that's very true. So it's absolutely desperate. It must be because I've seen numerous reports from the Daily Mail, Daily Express, and the Daily Star that it's because Mercedes don't want to pay the money because they can get George Russell for four pound thirty. So that must be true. But someone who has signed a contract is uh, Frederick Vesti. Yes, he's become one of the four uh, Mercedes Junior, the fourth. He's become the fourth Mercedes Junior driver. Uh, so he it could said, be him instead of Lewis. Not yet, he's got no points. Uh, He said, I've dreamed of being a Mercedes Junior and worked so hard for it so many years. Oh, so close. I was about 14. (laughs) Uh, I admire Mercedes so much for their mentality, their hard-working attitude, which has helped them to become successful. They choose their junior drivers very carefully, so I'm really excited to be part of the programme, working with them and developing as a driver. Thank you to Toto and the team for their trust in me and my future. What else do you know about him? Absolutely nothing. Well, he's the son of Fred Vesti, of course. Who you wouldn't know because you pay no attention to rallying. Yeah. I I have Tony Pond. (sighs) Tony Pond. Metro 6R4. Jump us a goalpost. (laughs) (laughs) You see, that's why we didn't get you on in the first... uh, In the first... Hour of the program. I mean, there's even a Formula One link to the Monte Carlo rally this year, Nick. I know Nick. there is. I know. Esteban Ocon's had a little bit of a go. In what? Uh, he ran two stages in an Alpine. Alpine, sorry. A110. 
He's going to. He's going to. I think yes. he did it, didn't he? No. Oh, it hasn't uh, started yet. Tomorrow and Friday. No, he's doing, doing the first. He's doing the first two stages. Ah, so first. he's not actually in the run. I, 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 no. I didn't see him on. He's uh, demoing. Uh, okay, okay, fine. He's not on the entry list because, um, in fairness, Ben did say that uh, Alpine was spending a lot of money. Okay, uh, Fred. Well, Esteban Ocon isn't costing lots of money. He comes free because he's already under contract with them. Well, true enough. Uh, the young Vesti, who's nineteen. Started his single seat at Korea where, Tim? Uh, well, he did karting, obviously, but then he would have done Italian Formula 3. Yeah, Formula 4, sorry. Mm, no, Formula 4 Denmark, yes. Oh, oh, he did do Formula 4 Denmark, one. of course, yes, for and his father's team. Because not only was his father a famous rally driver, but he also ran a Formula 4 team. And then he competed But in he only finished fourth countries. in the championship. Three different countries in the following year. Yes. Italy, Denmark and Germany. Yeah, I'll go for it. Formula 4 A DAC Championship in Germany. F4 yes. Danish Championship. Yes. Formula 4 United States. Damn, two out of three. But he did though. do Italian Formula 4 in 2019, I think. No, he did and Italian he did Formula 4 in 2018. And he did Mac- right, okay. Macau. What's he doing right. next year? F3. Uh, well, he'll it, be moving it, on to Formula... Th- no, he did Formula 3 in... Um, 2019 in the Formula Regional uh, Championship. He, he, won the form, he, form, he won the Formula Regional European Championship. He he's he's doing races. proper F3 again in 2021, oh, okay. but he's not he staying with Kramer. He's moving to ART. Hang on. But wait a second. So proper F3. Are we talking about the, the F1 oh, support F3? No, move. We're move, doing we F1 time. support F3, yes. Yes, F1. Yes. Uh, talking about F1. None of it's proper F3. Talking about F1. Uh, who... <laughs> Which driver who sounds like a car company has been retained as a as a uh, official test driver? Test, official test driver. <laughs> what? It's not very Toyotary, therefore it must be or Hondery. If it's not Toyota or Hondery, Roy it must be. There Roy you go. Oh my good God! You'd be hopeless at Charades, wouldn't you? Um, doesn't work on the radio, Sherrod. Well, I had to do it in speaky type things. <laughs> speaky type things. So, listen, he returns. Well, no, actually, this is this is more interesting than that actually, because he's actually being given one of the three test days the next. There's only three it's test true. days before the season, and they're giving Roy, who's not a tugger, but he's not great. Um, one of them, when you kind of think he's rather more useful to give a half day extra to George Russell and Nicholas Latifi. So, goes to show that Dawes and Capital are still very fond of money. What did um, perhaps includes the title, eh? What did <laughs> what did Roman Grosjean do for the first time today? Oh, yes. nothing. Didn't take a pill. That's great. Yeah. Isn't that great news? That is, it is. great news. Must admit, no when they showed his un- at all today for Roman. They showed his unbandaged left hand. It looked awful, didn't it? When he took the bandage off that one. Oof. Still. And who feels like a right. dog? <laughs> um. But a really weird statement he made, but it's actually Sergio Perez. It's poorly translated who, who from the original likened, Spanish, isn't it? Who has likened himself to being an adopted re- adopted rescue job. Now he's gone to Red Bull. So he's taken away from his abusive house and been adopted in a lovely new house. And I was thinking, yeah, that's going to go horribly wrong. You'll be chained up by the kennel in the cold pretty soon, mate. <laughs> and February the 22nd is the date for... Uh, the Alfa Romeo 2021 official launch. Where's that taking place? Don't know. Italian team, Italian driver, Finnish driver. Uh, Italy, Finland, uh, Milan. 
Warsaw. Obviously, that's because they ordered, isn't it? Their uh, sponsor. Uh, Robert Kubica's uh, friend. Yes. Interestingly, um, the more interesting news is that um, it's very much heavily rumoured now that uh, Sauber, and I'll use that word advisedly, are going to re-sign with Ferrari despite having an option for Renault engines. Um, Alpine engines, you mean? An attra- no, the engines are called, I think, are Renaults. Uh, an attractive um, offer, but they decided they wanted to keep the Ferrari links because they are hopeful that they can extend the branding with Alfa Romeo, which does end at the end of this yes. year, has looked wobbly. Um, but also, because of the... You'll know this one, John. What's the new conglomerate called? The Peugeot... Oh. Alpha, it, it Fiat Chrysler uh, one. Status something. It is instantly like forgettable. Yeah, yeah apparently they, they've, they've made good progress there. Mm. About keeping... So whether, I mean, obviously it might not be Alpha Man, it might get a different brand out of there, or it might be something else entirely, but they've, they've effectively taken, taken the punt with Ferrari rather than going to Renault because they want to try and, rather obviously, cause it's a nice little thing, try and keep the title sponsorship going and also keep the Ferrari support both with personnel, which, of course, they're getting... They're all, all the, both the sub-teams, Haas and Alpha Man, are getting people that Ferrari can't afford to have anymore, um, seconded to them for the cost cap. So it, it, it does have some, some benefits, just... Out, out with of the actual how much is the engine going to cost. Uh, Shay, are you still with us? Uh, she is, if I fail her up over here. Hello. Uh, who picked up his second consecutive golden driller at the weekend? Stellantis, by uh-huh. the way, is what it was called. That was what I was looking for. Stellantis. We'll never forget that again. Golden driller? Oh. <laughs> um, that would be Owen Larson, Kyle Larson's son, because he was the one who actually delivered the trophy to his dad. Very good. I like yeah. that. <laughs> How old is Owen Wilson? Not Owen Wilson. Uh, Owen Sorry. Small, Owen Wilson, I, I'd say five, Owen maybe Larson. six. Oh, yeah, right, I okay. was going to guess seven. Oh, he's not, not as old as seven. He's not that tall. Oh, for God's sake, move on. He's only hip height on those <laughs> scantily clad girls who are wearing proper face coverings. Yeah, but his, his dad isn't that tall either. He's a racing driver at the old school. Whence they were jockeys. <laughs> Stellantis. Thank you, Stephen Cainsell. Have you and forgotten again? This no, is, no, this is a Chili Bowl Nationals <laughs> show. Yes, and Kyle Larson made it into the A-Main race alongside other drivers that we're used to seeing win these events, like uh, Rico Abreu and Christopher Bell. Christopher challenged a little bit, but Kyle Larson led every single lap and managed to actually hold off somebody who I hadn't heard of uh, for second place and comes away with a win and starting his 2021 and remember, he signed with Hendricks, so he's already in the most desirable seat as far as Cup Series is concerned. Now he wins the Chili Bowl again, so now everybody on the dirt tracks don't like him either. Yeah, <laughs> we, we should say, if you don't know, the Chili Bowl, not, in fact, just a, <laughs> uh, a receptacle. Delicious meal? Yes, for meat-based products. It is the <laughs> Lucas Oil Chili Bowl National, presented by General Tire, which is um, a world of outlaws, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, on on dirt. Um, is, is it dirt or is it actually dried chili? No, it is. That's fantastic. Ooh. That's where you should be going with it, and we can get a sponsor uh, for that. Just time to have a uh, point you in the direction. Stay tuned because Johnny Palmer. Uh, I said it was an historic day. Remember Wednesday, January the twentieth, an historic day. Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones have done. 
uh, have got together, <laughs> not in the same room, socially distanced, and they'll be doing the WEC preview for the longest season ever in a moment. And uh, Shea, I'll, I'll say good night to you now because you've been uh, with us for a long time. So thank you very much indeed. Uh, thank and you, guys. Take care. Say, say hi to everybody there in Utah. I will. Cheers. I'll say hi to all three million people. Don't all worry, John. Them. I got every, it covered. Every single yeah, one but of them. They, they're, all living, they're, all, they all live in two houses. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it right now. Uh, uh, Nick, quick uh, look back. The video archive is up as well as the archive yes. uh, from the weekend from the Hancock 24 hours of, of Dubai. No interruptions from weather. It was described by a number of people as a proper old-fashioned endurance race. That's not a bad one-liner to describe what we saw at the weekend. No, it was it was, it was a great race with a surprise winner, to be honest. Uh, GPX and, the, and both both actually the, 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 the vehicle in the Porsche and the team um, who I would say dominated, but certainly laid their authority on the event and then never let go of it. Um, despite ebbing and flowing uh, tax by Lamborghini and Audi and Mercedes, um, the Porsche hang on. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest surprise was the problems which the various Herberth cars um, mm. hit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it was a really good race. I mean, it was, it was um, yeah, the 50, 50 odd cars uh, seemed to work pretty well. We I was going to say, had... about the right number? Um, yeah, I think so. I think we, st- I think we got a, a few niggling code sixties. A lot of it due to the changing rules of the FIA about um, in the last couple of years about you can't, you have to neutralise any race with a course car on board. Yeah. Um, which particularly at, at uh, Dubai is irritating because they've got really good service roads where you can get where they're actually yes technically there is a course car on the track but actually it's of no danger whatsoever to anybody ever. Um, so we had a few more of those which were a little bit irritating. Um, we so had one particularly long, uh, an hour and eight minutes of of safety car for uh, an incident uh, at the circuit, which was safety uh, related. So mm, mm. Uh, not very good. Uh, but that, but that was beyond the organisers' control. Yeah, I mean, by thought that it was dealt with well. You know, we got we got we got, we got a very 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 high quality um, multi class race of fifty cars where we got about 40 finishers and a couple who limped over despite being told they didn't have to by the organizer. I thought it was quite sweet. Yeah. And um, it was a great race. It was really interesting. I think, I you know, I think, I think, you know, you always, no one ever got more than one minor, one minor mistake ahead. And that's all you need. Well, yeah, true enough. Uh, a great start to the season for the international endurance uh, calendar. We're at uh, Daytona at the weekend for the 100-minute pole-deciding race, although it will be a point-scoring race, of course, for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on Sunday. We'll have sound and vision for that. Uh, uh, IMSAradio.com, as well as on RS2, uh, of course. Uh, And we'll... uh, Shane and I are going to try and do a a couple of previews after that for the uh, Rolex 24 which is not this weekend, but next weekend. But before all that, we've got another midweek motorsport, which will be IMSA heavy as we build up to the Rolex. Tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, brand new season with the Tora boys no more. They are the Simcast. And they'll be on the air on our... Sorry, I can't help it. Uh, they'll be on... Hang on, before you go. Yeah? I'm, I'm doing the Daytona 24 hours this weekend. Are you? It's the iRacing Daytona 24 hours. They, they are thinking they may beat their ridiculous number of teams and entries they got further on. Um, Why are we not doing the uh, commentary for that? 
you'll have to ask the people involved with the liaison for for, for everything. I don't know. Right. Ask okay. Me, yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, so completely lost between of thought. Simcast tomorrow at eight o'clock. Uh, stay tuned now for Johnny and Bruce, the WEC. There's no time to explain because the llama has the T-shirt that says very, very perspective. Uh, oh, no, there's just no time to explain. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.